Welcome to Tinto Talks, the hub of all things perinatal. My name's Octavia and I will be talking about all things pregnancy related and beyond. We'll be covering specialist topics from experts in the field and collect a spectrum of real life stories from parents who've been there and done that. Our aim is to offer unbiased, evidence-based information, but also shed light on the joys and challenges of parenthood to support each unique journey. There really is something here for everyone. Finally, if there's a topic that you want us to cover, let us know. But in the meantime, sit back, relax, and prepare to feel supported, inspired, and informed. Welcome to part two of Emma's birth story. We catch up with Emma six weeks post-cesarean section and talk about the emotional build-up of going to hospital and then the reality of arriving there to go in for surgery. We talk about how it felt during the procedure, but most importantly, getting up and moving afterwards. Lots is also covered on aiming to have a gentle section, this new approach of encouraging to make a medicalised process a little more calm and to regain some control of what aspects that you can. I think it's important to say that preparation is key, both physically and mentally. And thankfully, Emma had a lovely positive birth story, even though it was not quite exactly as she'd planned it. Just waiting for Emma to join us now. I think I said yes. Hello, here she is. Hi. Hi, Emma. Hi, hi, hi. How are you doing? Good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Good stuff. So thank you for joining me today. I know you've just, it's been a bit of a hair-raising moment, <laughs> breastfeeding the baby, um, getting her ready, getting her down to bed, but you managed it so well done. We're spot on time. Yeah, just about, I think. Well, as I said um, to our last new mother who came on, um, if you have any problems that need to go, then everybody will understand. Uh, but thank you so much for joining us. Um, you are a new mother of a little six-week-old baby, Yael, yeah? Yes, she's six weeks old and she is uh, just about sort of settling into a, a bit of a routine. So hopefully we'll be asleep right now. I mean, it sounds like you're nailing it already, so well done. <laughs> incredible so just to recap for anybody who um hasn't kind of been following the series that we've been doing we're doing a birth series at the moment um you are our third mother that we've been interviewing and uh we've been covering lots of different stories and the first interview that we had with you um was um you were planning a a water birth in a midwife-led unit, and uh, you'd actually gone a bit of a full circle, so you wanted a, 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 an elective personal, didn't you? And then basically... contemplated it, but um, because of coronavirus and because we live in Amsterdam, and it was the only way to have the birth in London that made sense, but then yeah. started again for various reasons and, and, and sort of moved towards the water birth, yeah. But then yeah. fate intervened and said, no... Yeah, so tell us what's going on, just briefly. Uh, so we went for um, the 32-week scan. Um, we had a, a doula um, who a friend of mine had um, had recommended to us and who'd been sort of helping us navigate the Dutch system out here. Um, the 32-week scan, they identified uh, placenta previa, um, so the placenta is blocking the cervix. Um, and the, the the woman who did the scan said, um, don't worry about it we'll just do another scan and sometimes the, the placenta moves and then um, by the time I had another scan um, we were getting closer to the birth and the placenta hadn't moved and was still very much blocking the cervix and it really is only by like a very tiny margin um, so I yeah. sort of 
thought that maybe there'd be some wiggle room. But um, the the gynecologist just said, look, your options are basically you can have, um, you know, uh, an emergency cesarean or you can schedule a cesarean. And that's it. And I was like, can't I do anything else? I was like, no, those are your only two options. Um, wow. It was cut and dry. Um, which I suppose in a way is a good thing because you don't really want to be kind of weighing this sort of on the one hand or on the other hand, you know, you don't want to weigh it up. So um, yeah. suddenly we've gone from water birth to cesarean, um, which was a sort of a bit of a leap, of course. Yeah. Um, and we talk about that in the first interview, we kind of talk about your whole mindset and the process that you went through, kind of come to feeling calm about it. Um, and obviously now you've, you've had the, uh, the, the C-section, so we're going to just go over what happened today. So can we start by just kind of talking about like the, the build-up? So like maybe the, the few days before and like the night before going in, how were you feeling? What did you do? Yeah, so um, I was thinking, you know, we had the doula and I was wondering, you know, how helpful she would be in a C-section. But actually, she was still really helpful. I'm really grateful that we we had her there. So she came over and did her final kind of um, visit and chat with us a couple of days before. Um, and sort of she like said, like rummaged through my hospital bag and said, right, let's have a look at what you've got in there. Told me I packed all the wrong things for the hospital. <laughs> Hadn't got any of the right baby clothes. She was like, no, you need the ones with the clothes feet so I didn't know any of that so I'd packed all one baby clothes um I hadn't packed enough baby. do you have like some beautiful outfits like the little Spanish numbers <laughs> I just had like little kind of like little vests you know little rompers for her she said no well this is this is like baby underwear you need like <laughs> for her um and so she so she sorted me out and made sure I had all of the right things in in the in the hospital bag so I was feeling a bit more calm and prepared and we talked about um, the discussions I'd had on the phone with the anaesthetist um, and with the surgeon gynecologist who was going to actually perform the C-section. And she yeah. talked a bit about some of her other clients' experiences with C-sections. So all of that made me feel a lot calmer and more prepared. And really, it's just kind of like managing my expectations, thinking about, you know, what it was going to be like. Um, and I actually was surprised about how calm I felt because I'd never had any surgery or anything like that before. So the night before was, mm. was quite good. Had um, we had like come over as well, so we got a takeaway, sat and chatted to the family, um, and had an early night basically. Nice, and it must have been quite strange because obviously, when you've got a planned C section, you know for sure that, that is your last night of being two, you know, even though you had the family there. <laughs> really weird actually because I, I hadn't thought of that normally it's a bit of a vague you know when will our last night before we become parents be but we knew definitively and in a way that was nice in amongst all of the things I didn't have control over to be able to know that that was our last like you say our last night before we became parents and to really be able to think about that and enjoy that moment and and yeah. to be interested about what was to come that's good and then what what time do you have to get up in the morning to get into the hospital wasn't too bad got up at about seven got into the hospital um just before nine and they showed us to our room um let us just sort of like put all the bags there the nurse came and chatted to us um explained what was going to happen and all the timings and everything um and got us all settled in gave me my little you know hospital gown which uh which flashes your bum to everyone (laughs) i'd say you do the classic and get it on back in front (laughs) 
That's and it. you were sharing a room. There was someone else in there, wasn't there? I'd just say there was another woman. There's two beds in the room, um, but the other one was for my husband. So we were really lucky that this was before the really strict coronavirus restrictions came in. So I was able to have my doula and my husband both in the room for the delivery, but also my husband was able to stay the two nights in hospital with me after the birth, which was really important to me to be able to have him there to support me and also just so that he could bond with the baby as well. That was really yeah. well, it's just such a, especially a first, I mean, not that it's any different with a first or a second or a third, but, you know, like, I think the first time is such a shock to the system. Of course you want to share yeah. it with them. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I can, I can understand that. Fine. And then, so you're feeling pretty calm and then they took you off to the anaesthetic, to have the anaesthetic. Then they took me off to, yeah, to have the anaesthetic and I was being wheeled down the corridor in his hospital bed and that was when the panic set in a little bit because you sort of see you know in movies and on television people lying on hospital beds being wheeled along into surgery and then suddenly it was me um and yeah. I got a bit tearful and got a bit panicked and at this point my husband wasn't with me the doula was with my husband they were somewhere yeah. out getting you know their scrubs on and everything um, and I was on my own just with um, just with a nurse and and then the sort of a student um, anaesthetist who came to put my IV in. Um, <laughs> and you actually, that was part of your birth plan, wasn't it? That you didn't actually want any students there, but you didn't realise that that only involved during the delivery, not the anaesthetic part of it, which, I mean, that's fairly a big part of it, isn't it? You know? Yeah, so... You don't really want any... In those in scenarios, when you're feeling stressed out, you almost just... I know, obviously, it's really important that students practice, but, you know, you don't want someone jabbing around at you. <laughs> I didn't want any students. Um, that was in the actual delivery room, but obviously in the in the prep room where you're, where the anaesthetists are, it's like a different room. So, they, so I had this student sticking an IV, and he kind of bodged it a little bit, and I was really nervous. <laughs> I was, he was looking at me like, you're about to have a C-section. We're going to cut you open. <laughs> tiny needle in your hand if you can't handle this you're in trouble sort of thing I mean he didn't say anything but um but he, he I sort of was getting quite tearful and then the, the other nurse said oh actually he has he has kind of put that in a bit wrong so she undid it <laughs> you're like uh yeah that's right so no bedside banner then yet he hadn't learned that bit yet <laughs> but um but then the the sort of the head anaesthetist the proper anaesthetist came in and he was a, a German guy and he said oh are you okay? And I said, I felt really stupid kind of getting tearful over it. And I yeah. said, yeah, I'm really sorry. I've just, I've never had any surgery before. And, um, and you know, you know, I, I, I'm just a bit, a bit nervous. And he said, um, oh, is this your, your first baby? And I said, yeah. And he said, don't worry. It's not my first time. <laughs> and I was, like, oh, thank God. <laughs> oh, he maybe had told that joke before, but, um, but that did really, yeah, exactly. <laughs> really well then kind of like made me feel a bit calmer um but I was it, that was the point the first point where I started panicking a bit was really like right before it was about to happen the night before and on the morning I was so calm um and then it was suddenly dawning on me that I was about to be like you know sliced open whilst whilst yeah. I was being awake <laughs> and then so they rolled you into the theatre and how how did that feel as well because there's quite a few people that are normally in the theatre aren't there yeah, and I remember you saying this to me when we talked about what a C-section was like, and I thought it was really odd that you kept mentioning how people were there, but when you're um, on your own and you're butt naked, lying on, <laughs> on 
family. It is suddenly like, whoa, what are all these people for? Um, and, uh, you know, there's a guy like standing in the corner with a tray full of instruments. He's sort of like, you know, sharpening the knives like this. And you're thinking, can you do that where I can't see? <laughs> He's like, no, I know it's important. but um, So there's one. Well, yeah, because they, they've got two obstetricians, the anaesthetists, uh, the nurses, the midwife, uh, the support staff, you... And then your husband and the doula. That's a lot of people in there, you know. My husband wasn't there, the doula wasn't there, and the surgeon gynecologist who was going to perform the cesarean wasn't in the room. But there was still about, oh I mean, like God. 10 people, I don't know. But they were all bumbling around doing their things, preparing yeah. instruments, and then... Um, is, is, he said, oh, you know, you have to sort of they get you up on the table and they sit you up on with your legs dangling over the side and they got this woman to stand face to face to me and they said put your hands on her shoulders and so you're bracing your and they said lean forward so you're basically putting all your body weight on this woman and she kind of suddenly took a step back like she was taking a stance and I thought why is she bracing herself like this and then they explained to you what they're going to do to to do the anesthetic um so they he said, okay, we're going to put a, you're going to feel a cold wipe on your back and then a needle's going to go in with the local anaesthetic. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, and then we're going to do the spinal once that's gone. Um, it's quite an odd feeling, isn't it? Like as you're leaning forward, when the, when the kind of um, opens go in, uh, you can feel it like spreading around the hips, can't you? It's, it's quite odd. Yeah, it was, I don't know what I thought it would feel like, but you've, when you, when you feel that local go in, you can feel the area becoming numb. And then it's just so, it's just such a sudden, it just happens so quickly. I think I thought it would be a really gradual sensation, but there's a sudden rush where you can feel this heaviness from your hips down. Um, mm. I literally shouted, oh God, when they did it. because I, was like, <laughs> I mean, I was thinking like, oh my God, I don't know what I thought it would feel like, but it was, it was quite a shock to me almost. Mm. Um, and then it is really instant that you, your, your legs are very heavy and they sort of, they then, someone comes from behind, lies you down on the table and two other people pick up your legs and put them on the table. And I remember thinking, I can't feel nothing. Like I could feel that people were moving me. Mm. Um, so then I got really worried and I started saying, I was like, don't start yet. I can still feel, I can still feel something. I can still feel something. And I was feeling, I felt like I could wiggle my toes um like it would be really difficult to do it but I felt like yeah. I could I just kept saying don't start don't start because I suddenly panicked that they were going to cut me open and like, like mm. the animals working and then they explained like what it was going to feel like didn't they they said that um you know it kind of feels like somebody rummaging around in a large handbag <laughs> yeah so I had the uh, the comedy German anaesthetist came came back and by this point I'm lying on the table so his head kind of pops up from like up here and, <laughs> and he said that uh, he says you're not going to feel nothing and I was like what do you mean I'm not going to feel nothing I, mean, I thought that's the whole point of an anesthetic and he said you're it, it's going to feel like someone's rummaging around in a really large handbag but you're that handbag so that was a right. bit it was a really bizarre explanation but once they get going it makes complete sense because that is what it feels like um and it's sort of like I mean the only thing I can compare it to is if you fall asleep on your arm in the middle of the night and you wake up you can't feel your arm but you can feel that you can't feel your arm so it's that um heaviness like you're you're conscious that your limbs are there still 
um, and you can feel sort of movement, but you won't feel any sharp pain. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I was confident that they'd done lots of anaesthetics before and lots of C-sections before, yeah. and they lie to me. Um, but you do, like, panic does go through your mind, or it went through my mind in, in that situation, certainly. Yeah. There is a lot of tugging, like it does feel, and actually, like, um, I found at, at the end of the show notes with this, I've got a link to a video, so we'll, t we'll talk about this in a second, but um, you had what's called a, a gentle section, um, yeah. which is basically where they do, like, uh, they allow the baby to come out slowly, which, which we'll talk about in a second, but um, the video of it, which is of this gentle section, it's amazing to watch, actually, they go through everything, putting the spinal block in, getting her on the bed, cutting open, opening up the skin and the, the fascia and everything and they are literally like hugging on this poor woman's stomach and it looks like really like oh gosh okay but then actually you know when you then you know see the small incision that they do it you know it's only 10 10 to 20 centimeters and you know it's amazing how they do it um so yeah it's quite incredible one i don't what a rough one's like but I think I think I just imagined that they'd sort of like you know slice you open and just gently lift out the baby but but actually of course you know that is what we don't very specifically wanted that gentle cesarean um but I could I mean that I really could feel them more than rummaging around you can feel pulling sensate or off the table that I was lying on which was a really really strange sensation and it was I was thinking wow this is quite it's quite sort of like you say. It's quite rough in a sense. They really do pull you around. Yeah. So one of the com common complications for the baby with the C-section is that because they don't go through the birth canal, they don't get all the fluid that's in the lungs squeezed out. And so then what they're now what they're trying to do is trying to mimic a just to make the whole situation a lot more natural and like calming. So you're allowed to use your music, all this sort of things. Um, but also then when the baby is coming out of the incision, they get the head out and then they just wait and they allow the uterus to, to contract naturally and help squeeze the baby out. So A, it's slower, so it's not just this kind of yanking out, uh, but B, the baby gets squeezed out. And is that what happened with Gion yes, as well? Exactly. So it's good because it keeps the incision really small, but um, our, our dealer actually filmed the cesarean, which I initially didn't want her to, but she kind of talked me into it. She said, you can't change your mind. Why don't I just do it? And if you don't want it, we'll delete it. Um, but what you that's see, it. obviously the head comes out and that's quite big, but the shoulders are, are much wider. And that's the bit where they have to really wiggle the baby out. And it takes them a good kind of minute or so to squeeze that, the kind of shoulders and lift them out. And obviously you have to be really gentle because it's a little baby. Um, <laughs> Quite strange because it means that all of this happens behind a, a sort of the sheet so you can't see anything and you're lying on your back so you couldn't have a line of sight even if you wanted to yeah. head up because they've just sliced through all of your abdominal muscles um but they haven't you... actually sliced through your abdominal muscles by the way just to clarify they don't cut your muscles <laughs> so another video that i do have is um this brilliant sorry to interrupt you but um, they, it's basically um, a woman who's she's got like these layers of what's uh, um, got felt, and it opens up like this. But she's cut the incisions, and you, you, as you watch it, you can see as it goes through. So they do a horizontal line for where they um, cut into the skin and the fat, and then when they go down into the uh, the fascia and then the peritoneum, they start to go vertically, and it's very they they go in between the fascia of the abdominals they don't actually cut into any muscle just to oh. clarify um it's, you should watch it it's really interesting it's um it's just felt so it's not gory or gross it's it's a really good um 
if you want to know what they're cutting through and how, and also the, the deeper they go, the smaller the incisions get as well. Um, so it's a good one to watch. So carry on. <laughs> I didn't watch it before because I'm really squeamish. I know you were, you're not squeamish at all. But no, I, I was like trying to watch it in the, in the light and the ceiling, like watching the reflection. Um, they, you could hear she cried, didn't she? They, yeah, so she cried as soon as her head came out. And I was thinking, well, they're going to show me the, my baby now. But, of course, her body was still inside me. So I had this kind of bizarre sort of couple of minutes. It's really hard to say how long it was because you just don't have an accurate sense of time in this situation. Um, where I could hear she, she cried, but she, she, they were still pulling her out. Um, so they're kind of wiggling her sort of slowly and just easing her out gently. So, um, so that, was, that was really strange, yeah. And what about um, delayed cord clamping? Did you, did, so did she come straight, once she was out, did she come onto your chest, the skin to skin, and then the delayed cord clamping? Yes, yeah, so we asked for delayed cord clamping, but actually the, the blood had stopped flowing through the umbilical cord um, by the time that she was completely out anyway. So they showed me the, the umbilical cord, and then they said, we're going to cut it now. And they actually offered um, Josh, my husband, they said, you know, do you want your husband to cut it? And before he could say anything, I said, no, no, no. It's fine. Uh, don't let him near any. Denied him of uh, a lifetime experience there. <laughs> not doing it because he didn't. He didn't want to have sort of like you know be blamed if she ended up with a shaped belly button in uh, in in years to come. I don't so, think that's the part that makes the what the belly button. I think it's how it falls off um, because you, it's cl clamped much higher and more lower down to where they cut yeah. it. But. Yeah. I mean, in, I just in the moment said, "Oh no, it's okay, thank you," and. and, and <laughs> I wanted him to be, you know, at the head end with me, as it were, because I couldn't, you know, I couldn't see anything else that was yeah. going on. Having him there right next to me was was much more kind of where I wanted him to be. Um, he was fine, but he didn't feel cheated by that at all. Uh, but we watched the cord um, being cut. Um, and, yeah, and then they just lay the baby on your, on your chest. And I had both of my arms strapped down sort of extended position because one of them had an IV in it and, and and a couple of other lines and the other one had a blood pressure cuff on it and so they just put the baby here that's and quite I said, restrictive yeah and I said can can someone untie one of my arms <laughs> um and they're like she's not going to fall off don't worry I said no but I want to touch yeah, exactly her. gosh um that was while they're, they're stitching me up sort of on the other side of the the curtain so that was that was really a really special moment to be able to just hold to that close that quickly so they say with the delayed cord clamping that you've got um, the kind of nice it, it actually varies where you look how long but the, the nice guidelines say between one and five minutes um, and the reason for it is because basically there's um about 30 percent of uh, they get 30 percent more blood in their body if you allow all of that blood to drain into the um into the baby which can then basically increase their iron levels which then helps them um with growing in the first six months and it's going to have um you know lots of helps with their stem cells um and apparently helps with their physical and emotional development so it's definitely worth doing and i think most most people most places um you know would encourage it so which is good yeah and actually i didn't i didn't really sort of know about the benefits of it until the doula told us about those and it is one of the few things that in an elective c-section that you can actually ask for so i yeah. think 
small things like that do make a big difference to be able to express preferences. So to be able to know that you can have a gentle cesarean and to be able to ask for that um, and to be able to say, we'd like to delay cord clamping if you can and, and, and things like that. So um, that I think the only way, reason why they wouldn't do it is if, uh, or they, you know, could, uh, the only reason why they wouldn't do it if there was a problem with the baby or if there was a problem with you as well. So, you know, but yeah, generally it, it's kind of makes sense to do it. And then, um, what, so did you stay with the baby the whole time? Was she, did, or what happened after that? When did you go off to back to the ward? You can't, um, in the Netherlands, um, in the hospital that we were in, you can't stay with the baby the whole time because you then have to get taken to the recovery room um, for a short period and the baby then gets taken to the room where you'll stay. Um, but obviously, again, having my husband there, he was then able to, to stay with the baby. So the baby was with one of us the whole time. Mm-hmm. And it was also him because he then got a chance to get his top off and have some skin to skin contact with the baby which is super important I think for the dads um to to kind of have that that bonding moment because they don't have all of the kind of the hormones that we have and they haven't carried the baby in their body for nine months so to yeah. be able to of bonding and he said he really really enjoyed that and have a really sweet photo of him holding her um when I wasn't with them which is really nice yeah my husband did that as well it's funny when they're like whipping their top off when they're getting all involved or like amazing um, I do find it quite amazing that they separate you because um when I had mine they um they tried to wheel me off and my the midwife the head midwife in the room was like ah no excuse me keep them together and you know um she was like point blank said you know don't separate don't separate them. so it's an interesting thing that they do over there you know the that they decide to separate you because you know it just unless there's something wrong I wouldn't understand why they do it. Yeah, uh, it wasn't for very long, and it's just by virtue of the fact that they wanted to take you to me to a recovery room to kind of do some checks. Um, I mean, I was there for like twenty to thirty minutes, I'd say, um, yeah. and that yeah. room is in a different place to where the where the room is where we eventually went to go and and, and sleep the night. So. Um, <laughs> I was slightly dubious about being separated from the baby, but actually, as long as she was with one of us, it wasn't, you know, I wasn't worried about it. And having had that skin-to-skin contact for, like, it was a really decent amount of time. You know, it was like about half an hour while they were stitching me up, so it was really nice. Did they pop on the breast at that point as well? Were you trying to breastfeed it straight away, or not? did you start doing all that later? Uh, not while they were stitching me up. But when we got back to the room, then they they sort of showed me how to do all of that and tried to get on the breast straight away. Um, nothing happened. Uh, obviously, she just kind of was sort of nuzzling That's around there. <laughs> and there was there was no milk coming out at that point, no colostrum or anything. Um, Which so. is quite normal. I think, you know, like at that stage, I mean, A, you've had a C-section, so you're slightly, your, your body has kind of been forced into the, the postpartum phase, you know, it's not like a natural um, biological, physiological response that's happened, uh, but obviously you do start to go through that as, you know, as the baby's delivered and the placenta's removed and all that sort of stuff, so, um, but then it does take like three to four days for the milk to come in at the best of times, and you've got to kind of simulate and um, you know, the, the, the baby there and the smells and all that sort of stuff. Did you collect any colostrum beforehand? No, I didn't. Um, I mean, there. I know we talked about this a little bit and I did think about sort of pumping some, but I basically just didn't have all the right kit to do it. 
Um, we finally did some in the hospital with the pump in the hospital and literally the first time um, we, we used the breast pump, I think we got one or two mils of colostrum yeah. and it's just, it was so little that the, the nurse was literally scraping it off the inside <laughs> of the breast pump. And to be honest, like, that is normal. Like that is <laughs> And I think, you know, the other thing is like a, a lot of people sort of, you know, talk about breastfeeding and the virtues of it. And I know that some women find it really difficult. Um, but I think the thing that, like, I can't emphasize enough if anyone really wants to breastfeed is, like, just keep trying because you have to breastfeed your baby so many times a day that just in the hospital on day one, there was sort of, like, there was about three or four times that I tried to breastfeed her, like, totally unsuccessfully. And if it wasn't for the nurses coming in and just saying, oh, don't worry about it, it's completely normal, um, I think I would have been really, really sort of despondent about it and really, um, you know, upset and felt like I was getting it wrong somehow. Mm. Um, but just like just going through the process of trying is is half the kind of, you know, it's half the battle and, yeah. and important, I think. I think that that is key, is, is, is um, managing expectations. I think a lot of people think that, you know, you're just going to pop the baby on and they're going to be guzzling away. And I think like... You've got to understand that it takes time to build up that the milk supply for, for it to come in and then to get the supply and demand. And you've got to learn how to hold the baby, which is challenging enough in itself. Then you've got to learn, you know, the baby's got to learn how to suck. You might have different nipple sizes. Like, you know, it, their anatomy might be different. They've got, like, they might have tongue tight. There are so many factors. And like you said, like, it, it's so easy to give up because it's frustrating and it's painful and you're worried and the baby's screaming in your face and you're thinking, oh my God. And then, you know, I've had a friend who's a doctor came and said, your baby's going to be brain damaged unless you give them a bottle. Then. So then, you know, she was thinking, oh God. And, you know, like, exactly. Just classic bad use of terminology and words you know, to, to describe what, you know, of course it's important to feed your baby, but, you know, there's just ways of kind of saying things to mothers. And I think that there isn't... Um, the right amount or enough support at the right time for breastfeeding. You spend all this time in NCT in England, you know, doing all these, I think I did like six hours or something of breastfeeding classes. It was just like totally pointless unless you've got a baby there. They could put all of that time and money into postnatal so that you get it like you guys do in Africa with the Cromwell, Crom, what's it called? Cromsorg. Yeah, the Cromsorg. Exactly. Cromsorg. And the other thing is, like, it doesn't matter how many pictures of people holding babies, breastfeeding, <laughs> videos you look at, until you have a baby, a newborn baby in front of you, you and, like, you, you, everybody is different, every baby is different, every boob is different, you're just not going to know. And I think, yeah. um, for me, there was, a, there was one nurse who was really, really good and really, really patient, and there was another nurse who was on a different shift who was just really sort of brisk with me, and it's incredible how different I felt after those two interactions yeah. where both of them were doing the same thing. Both of them were trying to help me breastfeed and I felt really positive after one interaction and, and really negative after the other ones and the other complication of course if you have a c-section is that you can't well I didn't feel that I could do the kind of traditional cradle style hold of the baby because you're holding the baby across your wound um, and I was you know that area was incredibly sensitive and I was in quite a lot of pain and mm. people talk a lot about the rugby ball hold and things like this it's quite hard to to get the hang of all of that um I used to like the rugby ball on my right was the rugby ball on the other one it was normal <laughs> but it's true and like that's the thing like handling a baby just in itself 
it's like, you know, you've got the head and you're so worried about them. And then you've got this cross-section wound and you're thinking, oh, right, you need... I think one thing that I always tell people who are having sections to in hospital is, no, the pillows or your, you know, the big noodle pillow, because then you can wrap it around you to support you whilst you're breastfeeding. And, you know, it's just getting into the right position is so, so important. But as you said, like, I think when I had Gigi as well, my, my second baby, you know, everyone... I just thought I would just get breastfeeding straight away because I did it with Azalea. And after about an hour of her, like, still going, still going, I was thinking, something's just not quite right here. And the midwife just kept saying, just keep going, just keep going. I was like, it's really not helpful. Like, just keep going is not explaining anything to me. And then finally this um, healthcare assistant came along and spent an hour with me, like, literally positioning the baby, doing sucking sounds and doing visual. It was amazing. I was like, this is incredible. And by the end of it, we have it. And I was like, okay, like, so, you know, even baby to baby with the same mother... It was still hard, you know. So yeah, get all the support you can. That's and, really interesting. Like I could say, like I think I've never had so many different people touch my boobs in the space <laughs> of like ten, ten days. Um, people would just come into the room and say, like, oh, you know, is it all right if I just let me just kind of, oh, and they sort of pop your nipple into the baby's mouth. But all of that, like, just don't don't be bashful about it don't you know say yes and if you don't get on with the help that you're getting from one whether it's a maternity nurse or whether it's a lactation expert or whether it's you know someone in a nurse in the hospital just get someone else and try someone else like it's the chances are it's not you it's not the baby yeah. it's yeah. the way that that person is helping you and I had about like I say about 10 different people helping me with this and it finally just clicked mm-hmm. um but, you know, I needed a lot of help to get it going. And I'm really glad I persisted with it because I really did want to breastfeed. Yeah, I would say it's probably the one one thing that I would, um, other than the sleep specialist, but um, if it's something you really want to do, it's the thing that's probably worth really throwing money out because you don't get it normally yeah. um, on the NHS. You know, there, there are kind of breastfeeding groups and stuff like that, but it's not, you need it like you know tw- you know 24 hour support you know every day for- until you get it it's not like once yeah. a day or once a week you know anyway um there's also breastfeeding specialists on tinto if you um if you are struggling so do check out the app <laughs> um the other thing i want to talk about is vaginal seeding which um <laughs> which you did yes. which i i the first time i ever heard about this i'm going to admit it was when my sister had her c-section a family friend mentioned it and I was like, oh my God, like she sent me this email and I was like, what is that? That's like that was my <laughs> first reaction as well. I, my doula brought this up and she said, you know, this is one of the other things that you can have control over and a say over with your C-section. And, and, um, and when she first told me what it was, uh, I think my face was probably like, <laughs> and my husband kind of went, and she said, you know, I'm not, I'm not one of those kind of, I took my placenta home and ate it people. Um, yeah. No, that wasn't, that wasn't <laughs> me. But this, um, this was something that actually the doula said, look, you know, the baby is not coming out the normal way. Um, as you put it, it's coming out the sunroof. So um, the, the idea is that you take a, a small piece of gauze, uh, which is rolled up before you give, right before you give birth, you put it in like you would put in a tampon um, and then t- leave it in there for a little while, sort of, um, and then take it out. I gave it to my doula. She popped it in a little um, a little box, a little sterile box, and she held on to it. And then after the baby was born, she used that swab to kind of wipe 
across the baby's face and the baby's hands. And the idea is that you pass some of the kind of, you know, the good stuff, as it were, from... The microbiome, basically. Yeah, exactly, the microbiome, thank yeah. you, to the baby. Um, and my what eventually just sort of made me think we wanted to do this was um, we thought, well, maybe there are no benefits, maybe it's sort of like, open, but there's, there's nothing to lose from doing it. There, the cost was nothing, and... I thought I wanted to give the baby every chance possible um, of making it as, as much like a normal birth as we could. Um, if that was one small thing that we could do, then, yeah. then that makes sense. So I had a little look into this and um, I spoke to um, my boss, Dr. Nina Fuller-Shabel, who works in the functional medicine clinic, works a lot with nutrition and you know, deals a lot with the guts and knows a lot about um, all these sorts of things. And she kind of signposted me towards some journals and it, it, it's really patchy the evidence like there is limited evidence but it is something that people are becoming a lot more but there's a lot more conversation about it um yeah. and i think what they have noticed is that basically as the incidence of um c-sections have gone up so whilst more and more and more people are having c-sections there are a lot more people uh with autoimmune disorders um gut yeah. disorders type 1 diabetes um, like all these different problems are chronic diseases, basically. Um, and they're just wondering, is there a link, basically? And when they have done studies, they found that babies that are born vaginally have the same or, yeah, um, gut biome as their mother's vagina. And then those who are delivered by a C-section have the same biome as their skin. And that difference seems to be related to uh, potentially having more instance of asthma or allergies or things like that and I'm a little bit more aware of it now as well because I had a c-section for number two and she has got a lot of uh, food intolerances and I mean it might just be coincidence but she, she also yeah. turned on had antibiotics and that's the other thing that's worth thinking about you know you would have had antibiotics um when you were having uh the c-section um yeah. and then don't get a choice in that, by the way, because I yeah. I don't want to take antibiotics just generally mm. unless I absolutely have to, and it's not something that you can choose. You do have to have those. Yeah, which makes sense. You're having a massive incision down through nine layers of tissue. <laughs> like it makes sense, you know. Like that safety first. Do you not want a, 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 an, an infection in that wound? Um, but what's quite nice as well is that they started putting together guidelines. Um, <clears throat> and one of the things that they're saying is that. Um, Basically, um, they don't think that medical professionals should be doing it. Hold on, I have a sip of water. I have a coffee bit. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but they're happy to allow mothers to, to, to do it if that's what they want to do. Um, they should be advising you when you have a C-section that there is a possibility that <coughs> there'll be changes in the, the baby's um, gut microbiome um, and give some um, kind of be able to signpost you where to go to look into research about it and the other yep. thing was is that I don't know I wonder whether they've offered it for you um, but you can get screened to check that you're not passing on an infection so strep B or E. coli from your vagina to the baby did you do that by any chance no actually was <laughs> wasn't that we were offered so maybe that's the service that differs between the Netherlands and the UK well, I wonder whether it's normal, you know, I think it's so rare. I mean, considering what yours and my response was when we both started talking about vaginal seeding, it's a bit like, oh, my God. So I only learned about this from looking at the journals. So, you know, it yeah. is interesting. And I think, like, again, this is the whole point of the, these podcasts is to kind of, 
you know, just start the debates and kind of signpost you. And again, at the end in the show notes, it's all of the, um, I've got loads of stuff. I've got the two videos, I've got um, some of the books, which we haven't actually talked about. Um, and then I've got my journals all about like what percent of is, um, what gentle birthing is, um, and then all the stuff about receiving as well. So it's very interesting. And the other thing is, sorry, go on. No, I was just going to say, it's like, it's all about just unearthing these things and exploring them. And yeah. really helpful for me to be able to signpost a lot of that information. And obviously talking to people like you who'd had a C-section about their experience was really helpful to kind of signpost what sort of things should I be thinking about? What choices do I have? Like what should I be reading about or, you know, what should I be preparing for? Because especially if you, you find out quite late, like I did, um, because previa that you're going to have to take a different route you suddenly are thrown from this plan that you had and you know you maybe don't know all of a sudden that there are other choices that you can make so yeah. i think it's really like to be able to talk about those choices and unearth them mm. and think about them the other thing i came across when i was looking at it was about like the hygiene hypothesis which is basically just saying about you know how everything if it's too sterile obviously it's not great for the baby and i was thinking about like i wonder what all this covid stuff is doing for our children as well you know everybody's got antibacterial like you know um on their hands and washing all the time and it's like we need germs we need obviously good germs but you know, it's really important for the baby's autoimmune uh, or immune systems. And actually, that day, the other thing that was worth mentioning was that um, your baby's like autoimmune status isn't just from the gut biome. So, uh, from the you know what they get from the birth canal, it's also from the stresses of labour, all the hormones, um, and then the interaction of the amniotic fluid and the vaginal secretions and all sorts of different things so it's not just that so you know you, you can't you can't just fix it just by doing um some vaginal soothing anyway so let's go back to how you felt when you got off the board so or when you were on the board like when did you first get up out of bed how did that feel oh wow so um <laughs> the operation was on a wednesday morning um and they left me with um a little clicky morphine drip so you can just press it and get a milligram of morphine pain relief um, whenever you want yeah and they were like don't hold back I didn't um that was great and then um the next morning they come to visit you and they say okay uh, about that morphine drip we're going to take it away so you might want to just like slowly wind down on the clicking um, and they they take it away and they remove the catheter, um, which I was desperate to get the catheter out because it was. So had really... you not gone? So uh, had you not got up and walked yet? So you spent a whole day. Yeah, whole day. It wasn't until the next morning. So the next. You're lucky. Um, <laughs> morning, they they come and they still got the drip. You know, you still got the catheter in. They ask you to stand up, which is a bit of a palaver because you've got all these lines coming out of you. Um, and then if you can stand up, then they um, ask you to see if you can take a few steps. And then they will take you to the bathroom and you. they take the drip out, take the IV out, um, take the catheter out. And they then tell you to have a shower and try and go to the loop. Um, and having a shower 24 hours after having a cesarean is not like you just don't really feel like it at all not to mention the fact that there's like a stern looking Dutch nurse standing in the shower cubicle with you oh god you're just bleeding (laughs) 
from the operating table. You've got a massive like wound that you haven't probably haven't seen before because you haven't looked at it because it's been dressed and they then remove the dressing and you're just like, you know, unspeakable things are going on. Uh, and, and so I just kind of turned the water on and just stood there like limply underneath it for a bit and then I was like can I can I get out now please um so that that was a bit that was challenging um but it wasn't as painful as I was worried it was going to be probably because I was still benefiting a little bit from the uh from the morphine in my system Um, I think it's really important to mention at this point that if you like obviously you're going to be in pain but you shouldn't be in excruciating pain and I've got a couple of friends who uh, either weren't written up for morphine or um, weren't given one of the anti-inflammatories that you like a suppository that you're given during the surgery and they were in excruciating pain and they kept saying you know this, you know, can I get any more painkillers? And I said, no, 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 you've had everything, you, you've, you've had everything. And then it was only two days later, when everything's obviously feeling a lot better, that they were like, oh, gosh, sorry. So if you're in excruciating pain, pipe up, because I'll get your husband to do it, but a partner, um, because, you know, it's not normal. And there are always more drugs they can give you. So don't, you know, don't feel that just because, you know, they're telling you that everything's okay. If it doesn't feel okay, it probably isn't okay. So do, do speak up. Um and um we were talking about kind of getting the bed all set up nicely as well so what how did you what were your little tricks that you would tell people go home i'd say is the my big tip if you're going to have a cesarean whether it's um you know like like whether you want to do it or not um prepare at home for it so um you will not be able to really do much more than sit up in bed and even that is quite painful for the first couple of days um standing up will be painful so you're going to want to minimize how much you go from the lying down position to sitting up to sitting to standing etc so that means every time you want a drink of water a cup of tea something to eat um you're gonna have to ask someone to help you do it um and you know having just every within reach at home so I set up my bedside table with an additional table I had bottles of water I had snacks there so that they were ready for um if I was breastfeeding I could have something to eat I could have a drink of water within reach that I didn't have to even um sit up to drink so a great tip from you to get one of those drinking water bottles with a straw in it so you could literally best sounds really unimportant but (laughs) lifesaver when going lying down to sitting up is agonizingly painful yeah. for the that's in the show notes as well it's the first thing and, I <laughs> and you need to stay hydrated it's really important um yeah. so so that was that was just great um and i even went to um, extremes of having a kettle next to my bed because <laughs> Got it. I love cups of tea. So, and then um, we talked about how you get out of bed as well. So, learning how to do the kind of rolling onto your side and using your hands to push yourself up as well. And you said that you wish you practiced it a little bit more. Yeah, well, I, I guess you just don't think about how much you use those muscles until you don't have them, and you really can't mess around with this, particularly in the first couple of days afterwards. Um, and you know, you just have to be very, be very conscious of it. Every time you're about to move, you have to think, Oh, how am I going to do this? So you have to be, get close enough to the edge of your bed. Um, your bed has to be the right height. You know, if you have a bed that's like slightly higher than normal, you might struggle. If there's an alternative bed, you can sleep it. Maybe think about doing that. Um, so so just getting everything set up really. and, And, you know, thinking about when you're breastfeeding, 
if your baby suddenly decides to be sick on you, having within reach to wipe it up so that yeah, you don't... Yeah, true. You can't move quickly, you can't move suddenly. Yeah. And, and either. So just prepare, prepare, prepare. And you said also that you'd like... you Luckily, Josh was really well prepared as well. So he... Josh was super helpful. I mean, other than um, spending about a month before we gave birth, actually just cooking and filling the freezer with loads of food so we didn't have to cook Maybe. for about a month after the baby. Uh, but he was he was there. Uh, well done, Josh. You can see him in the background. <laughs> <laughs> Good man. <laughs> he was he was that hero. Um, he he you know he did all the fetching and carrying. Um, he, you know, obviously had to do a lot of looking after the baby. I didn't change a nappy um, for the first, uh, pretty much the first sort of two weeks. Um, wow. I didn't change a nappy because standing up for that period of time um, was too painful for me. So Josh did nappy change, yeah. Gosh, and you, you, I think you said that you counted your steps. More in doubt about how much help you'll need after a C-section. I think this point really illustrates it for me. I looked on my step counter. Uh, on my phone and obviously there were days when I did like literally 10 steps or something but Josh's step count went up and there were days when he didn't even leave the house when he did something like 18,000 steps just walking around the house just carrying doing laundry um you know bringing me food tea walking up and down the stairs um so because he was doing everything so and then as I started to recover my step count went up and his went down. It was like they balanced each other out. So um, it just goes to show that, you know, pre prepare and also get your partner to prepare. And if you can rope in friends and family um, to come and help you, then do that as well. But ask them in advance. And also, I'm not very good at asking for help, but, you know, talk, think about what help you're, you're willing to ask other people for and, and, and don't, don't hesitate to do it. Just ask them. And how are you feeling now? So you're six weeks down the line. Yeah, I, I started to feel a lot more normal in the last couple of weeks. Um, I can go for pretty decent length walks now. Um, I can walk pretty much normal speed. So when I was first going out for walks, it was really only first walk I went for, I think was 100 metres, 200 metres. And it was really at snail's pace. Um, whereas now I can walk pretty much at my old pace. I can push the buggy. Um, I can hold a baby for sort of, you know, five, ten minutes without really batting an eyelid. But it was a slower recovery than I'd anticipated. And I just, you know, if you're the type of person that's really like, you know, likes to be very active, you do need to really brace yourself for that and don't try and do too much too soon. Mm -hmm. um, I certainly did a bit too much too soon the first four or five days. And then my body really did let me know about it. So. That's the thing, your body really does let you know, and you know, you just, you feel awful, and I think, like, or you start bleeding again, you know, you're, you're still got a wound healing on the inside as well, and I think your body, as you said, does let you know. Listen, it's super, super helpful. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing, sharing your story with us, and getting ready to get your baby down to sleep. It's like, I'm amazing. You've got her into a routine already. It's incredible. So, I haven't heard her cry yet. I know. Quick. Come up. And thank you for all your uh, all your advice beforehand. That was super, super helpful and sort of walking me through it all. No problem. No problem. I can't wait to meet her. <laughs> Gorgeous little baby. Well, congratulations and well done. And thank you for sharing. Um, and um, yeah, hopefully we'll catch up soon, okay? Speak to you soon. All right, take Bye. your break. Lots of love. Bye-bye.